idea that that Jesus paid it all and now to him I owe uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and kind of what that really looks like what does owing Jesus look like it sounds frighteningly close to earning and works and uh, we want to make sure that that's not what we're talking about at all. That's not what the scripture is talking about. Uh, we definitely know that we are saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, through faith. It's a gift and not of our own that we earned, but a gift from, from God. But there is a response to this great act, this great death. Uh, there is a response of owing a sacrifice back to him and, and we're going to see that today um, most of us when we think of of the climax of a movie or, or of a book probably think the same thing it's it's uh you know it's that that high point right that highest point of of tension or drama you know and maybe in the right kind of movie there's you know the the big boom you know the big explosion that that big moment in the Greek language, it's a little bit different. It's it's the climax. I mean, it's it has the idea of this this staircase that you're you're climbing up this ladder, this final place and destination that you get to uh, along the path or, or the journey. And so the the book of Hebrews is definitely takes us kind of up this this staircase from the original struggle of of theology. Remember, you have a this is a new church. It's a it's a church predominantly uh, attended by by Jewish believers who would have all their faith and all their religion and all their history tightly bound into the old covenant, to the uh, the Old Testament scriptures, to the old sacrificial system. And now here comes Jesus, who's paid it all and died on the cross once for all and there's no need anymore for a sacrificial system there's no need anymore for a high priest and Jesus is better than all of that he's better than Moses he's better than the old covenant and uh, better than the high priest and you 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 have to be sympathetic that uh, it would be somewhat of a struggle but then as we move through the book of Hebrews we, we take this deep theology but we actually along the way are picking up the trail of of this practical application. There's a practical application and and one may think, oh man, whew, no more sacrificial system anymore, right? No more dietary rules. Um, when the actuality is the new system is 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 gonna be deeper. It, it's 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 gonna be more intense and but in a different way. And how so? Well, we're going to now be called to this, this height of holiness, of perfection, as First Peter says, to be like Christ. So we're not given this like list of ten rules anymore. No, instead we're, we're called, hey, be like Jesus. And all that that means. Well, I would argue that that's a lot more intense and a lot deeper in holy devotion. Again, remember, you could have a mindset 
of almost say la vie of I'll do whatever I want all day long. All I've got to do is go slap a lamb on the altar. All is forgiven, right? And now you're called to live that sacrifice every day. Matthew 16, 24 says, take up your cross daily, which is a key indicator that this is not asking you to die, but asking you to, to live, right? Take up your daily cross, your daily sacrifice, and follow me, follow Jesus. And so as we move through the book of Hebrews, let me just pick up on some highlights. Jesus is better than the angels, Moses, in the Old Testament. Why? Because he made the purification of sins. We see that in chapter 1. For chapter 2, we see we need to pay attention. Why? Lest we drift away. We don't want to drift away from the faith. We don't want to forget. So great a salvation we have. Again, based on the sacrifice made by Jesus, based on this, this sacrifice of grace. But it requires immediate application. Chapter 3 starts off, do not harden your hearts. Don't get hard. Instead, hold fast to the Word of God. Cling to it. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, we're reminded. Fear God and draw near to Him. He is the, as, as Hebrews 6 says, He is the anchor of your soul. The anchor. Um, we have a perfect high priest. We have a better covenant through Jesus Christ who made substitutionary atonement. There's a stern warning to us in, in Hebrews 10. That warning that if you keep on willfully sinning, don't expect, like the Old Testament saint, the sacrifices to, to apply to you. Don't expect the sacrifice of Jesus to apply if you continue willfully sinning. You trample on His grace. And after that stern warning, then we're turned to chapter 11 where, where we're reminded of, of the heroes of the faith. And even though we're all called to live in this holiness, we're all called to live in obedience, we're called to have faith, and we're given these awesome examples of men and women who had faith, we also see their humanity too. They were not perfect. They required the blood of Christ as well. But they were able to press on. And so last week we talked about you can have victory over sin. You can have victory over sin and it comes through the, the discipline, the loving discipline of God. And as your father sees you in sin, as he sees you doing the wrong thing, because you're legitimate children, he will punish you. There will be consequence. There will be discipline, which is to help you. And so now we get to the, to the end or the climax or the top of the staircase. And it's, again, it's, there's not like the big boom. There's not the big reveal at the end here. It's just kind of the, it, it's the end here. And so we see the best event in human history was then when this better high priest makes the ultimate sacrifice by substituting himself for the lamb for the payment, the propitiation for our sin. So today... We're going to see Hebrews as an exhortation calling us to make sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices? 
sacrifices that are pleasing to God in three simple ways. Better living, consistent living, and gracious living. Our sacrifices are better living, consistent living, and gracious living. Before we get back to uh, Hebrews 13, I want you guys to turn to Romans 12. Romans 12. Because we're talking about, again, this idea of sacrifice. And I don't want you to be confused with, again, the idea of, of, of works righteousness. Romans is very clear. We're justified by faith. Right? Galatians is very clear. Hebrews is very clear. But I want us to double up on this and, and, and get our arms wrapped around this, this terminology of, of sacrifice. Romans 12.1, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. We are called to live for Christ. We are called to be holy, acceptable to God, which is, which is your spiritual service of worship. You want to please God. You want to worship God. Offer your body as a living holy sacrifice. Do the things that God loves and is acceptable to Him. How? Don't be conformed to this world. This world is sinful. This world is ungodly. This world is destructive. Instead, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so that's the idea that we're talking about when we say this, this living and holy sacrifice. And so we're going to see this first through better living. First one, turning back to, to Hebrews 13. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves are also in the body let marriage be held in honor among all and let marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers god will judge let your character be free from the love of money being content with what you have for he himself has said i will never desert you nor will i forsake you so that we confidently say the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what shall man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. So the first sacrifice pleasing to God is, is just through better living. We have a standard of living. This is going to be harder and harder as, as you grow older. Um, Susan and I were talking about this just even last night, and it's, you know, the standard of, of living these days is so low, so low. Um, I was listening to a, a, a radio conversation the other day, and they were talking about music and, and, and how, how music right now, the most popular music is really basic, almost like drum-beating music. It, it's not what would be considered high art, like Bach or Beethoven, right? actually using all the elements of, of, of instruments and music and you know I'm not a music guy so you know I'm not an expert but I do know the difference between just a good beat 
and a magnificent piece with you know a hundred people performing and so we've we've actually gone backwards and when you listen to the standards by which we live the only thing that you keep hearing is do what you want to do do what makes you happy doesn't matter what anybody else thinks and I'm guessing right about now we're probably about eight months away from it being perfectly acceptable for you to call yourself some kind of animal and we all have to acknowledge you as being a cheetah or something we have better standards and it starts with the love of the brethren let it continue I like what it says here continue this isn't new this isn't an attack on the church. They, they, they're already doing well. They're already serving one another. Um, just keep on keeping on. Let it continue. But I want to remind us of, of, of what love is. Because again, the world, we have a better love than the world. What does the world say love is? The world says love is a, it's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's it's this, like this raw passion. Here's the problem with feeling emotion and raw passion. It goes away. Then what? Well, then you leave, of course. You go find it somewhere else, right? That is not what love is, and that is not what biblical love is. And biblical love is 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 7, and it begins outside of the marriage. It begins with us. So as we're reading this, this is how we treat each other. This is how we treat friends. This is how we treat brethren. This is when it says, love thy neighbor. These are the action verbs you're supposed to apply. Love is patient. Be patient. Love is kind. Be kind. Okay, those are two hard things. When the rubber meets the road, right? You say, I love you. Uh, you say, I'm going to be committed to somebody forever in a marriage. You know what you're saying? I am going to commit myself for life to being patient with you. That's a big matzo ball. <laughs> okay? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and not only do you have to be patient, you have to be kind. Be nice. Believe it or not, that's a lot harder said than done too. So when, when we're reading this, I'm going to go quickly here. But it, Think about this stuff. This, this is deep. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not. It does not. It does not seek its own. Love is not selfish. Love is not about you and about what you get. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't keep into account, take into account wrong suffered. It doesn't have a little journal of all the things that somebody else has done to violate you. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. It rejoices in truth. It bears all. It bears all. It's got that idea of putting the yoke on your back. My love for you, put it on me. I'll carry it. I'll carry the weight of whatever's happening with you. Put it on. It believes in all. That means that it, it has great hope in you. It hopes. It endures. It lasts. It lasts. It lasts. It lasts. How does it last? Because it's patient. Because it's kind. Because it's not jealous. Right? 
so it starts coming back to itself. It never fails. It never fails. And so we're called to, to make a different kind of sacrifice. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want your lamb. He doesn't want your goat. You know what he wants? He wants your love. He wants you to apply those action verbs. Those are all action verbs. Those are all commitments. Deep commitments. Hard commitments. It's a better way to live. And if you apply them, it's a crazy thing. It works. It works. You know, we got all these books out, you know, you know, improvement books and motivational books. Memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 and do it. I promise you, I promise you, your life will be better. The most selfish thing you can do is to follow that definition of love and then be selfless with it. Well, the second thing that we see here is verse 2. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. That's interesting. So we transfer from the brethren, from people in the church, family, friends, to don't forget this isn't just a holy huddle, right? It's, it's not just about us. Okay, there's other people out there in the world. Not just other people, but, but strangers. These are, these are people that are outside of the village. You do not know them. Um, well, we're called to, to not neglect them. A very, very convicting part to this passage is, you know, um, those people that you're coming into contact with could actually be angels could actually be a test. Um, So be careful how you treat them. How are we supposed to treat them? Well, I I like the way it's stated here in verse 3. Remember the prisoners. Okay, yeah, the the prisoners. Okay, I'm writing a check, $50 a month, boom, there, I remembered them. No. Remember them as though you are in prison with them. Are you absorbing that? You're you're supposed to somehow embody what they're going through. How would that change your response if you were actually thinking about being there with them? Um, Then maybe you would think, oh, wow, that's they, they don't get to see their family. They don't get to have a cake. They don't have there's a lot more things that you might think about if you actually were thinking as though you were with them. And I would say that you could extend that to the homeless guy. You'd extend that to uh, a lot of different types of, of people, not just prisoners. And those who are ill-treated, since you yourself are in the body. So we're supposed to take this, this model of love. We're supposed to take this this sacrifice of pleasing God through better living and part of it is by how we deal with the stranger you know we we had uh, an element of that just this week and it's not easy you know I've been in a couple different ministries and and, uh, uh, Sal's Union Gospel Mission and I mean we had you know a binder of rules and and 
the way you go about handling and dealing with people, the same thing at Rainier Christian Schools, because anybody outside of the school is a stranger, stranger danger, right? And so we have all kinds of policies and protocols and things like that. And uh, it's, it's challenging because as believers, our first response should be to be kind, to be loving, to serve them. And yet we do collide with the criminal. We do collide with um, some situations that we're not fully equipped. And so we have to have our protocols. But it always begins with, with kindness and gentleness and love. It may result in having to call the police. Remember, the police are there to protect and to serve and, and to help out. And that's not an unloving thing. It's only unloving in how you do it and how you present it. And so we'll actually get a chance to talk about that, that more in the future as well. But we are called. Remember, we are called. And this is what we were talking about a couple weeks ago in Deacon's Council. As a church, what is our responsibility to widow, orphan, poor? Because we do have one. And specifically here we see not to neglect, to show hospitality. Well, we're also to live better by you know, looking at our marriages. And it's, it's so odd. This is written 2,000 years ago. You guys understand that, right? 2,000 years ago, this is what's brought up as the living example of be better. Well, in marriage. And never more have we seen the marriage attacked. Um, the marriage bed is attacked. And it's being defiled. And people are committing adultery. And God will judge that. We're reminded in Proverbs, you know, the, the, the way of the wicked, the wicked way will, you know, even though you see him prospering, he, he will come to a day of reckoning. And we see that and we struggle with that. Well, it's the same thing. We're, we're seeing marriage being almost destroyed. And you think, well, uh, I, I, I guess that's what you do. You just, you know, you, you trade up. If, if, if the, you lose that loving feeling, then you move on. And God reminds us here, no, um, hold marriage in high honor. This is a covenant. This is a covenant relationship that you make with your spouse and your God. Be careful how you break that. When you break covenants, verse 4, God will judge. He will judge. Hebrews 10, again, reminds us, don't think that you can continue in sin and have no repercussions. So be warned. Verse 5, let your character be free from the love of money. Okay, maybe marriage, that, that, that's not your issue. Maybe your issue is the love of money, being content with what you have. It's, it's ironic to me that in the Ten Commandments, right there embedded in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. Most people memorize it the wrong way and say, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, right? It says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's ox and mule and riding lawnmower and townhouse and anything. You're not to covet. You're not to, to be discontent with what you have. You're, not, you're to be a soul free from the love of not just stuff, but, but money. And God says, listen, I'm not going to desert you. I'm, I'm not going to forsake you. 
Do you not understand that you can confidently say, right now, whatever financial position you're in, verse 6, the Lord is your helper. The Lord is your helper. Don't be afraid. What can man do to me when the Lord is on my side? And so we, we live then free from the love of money, free from the fear of the lack of money and what that might do. And so we're, we're not to be anxious knowing that in, in, in Matthew, Matthew talks about how God covers the lilies of the field and takes care of the birds. Won't he much more take care of you? You're called to make a, a living sacrifice to God by living better. So as verse 7 says, you are to then copy and imitate the faith of, of those who were before you. We, we've seen the living examples of, of our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ in this book, and, and we're to imitate and follow their faith, trusting in, in the way of not the world, but in the way of the Lord. Well, the second sacrifice pleasing to God is through consistent living. Consistent living. Jesus is the same yesterday and today, yes, forevermore. Don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who were thus occupied were not benefited. See, Jesus doesn't change. The, um, the program, it doesn't change. Doctrine doesn't change. Grace doesn't change. One of the greatest surprises to me when you know I'm reading Luke 24 and the road to Emmaus and Jesus says, Hey, when you're reading about Moses or reading about the prophets, uh, you're reading about me. You go, hmm, how so? Okay, let's go back to Genesis and let's start over. And you know what you start seeing? You start seeing grace and mercy all over the place, which, which is what breaks my heart because you hear, you know, oh, the Old Testament, God is so angry, God is so violent, God is so, so judgy. It's like you want to see the mercy on display? Read the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, it's right. Read Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they've got nothing else going on. They're just talking to God and they still do not listen to him. Oh, we think it's just fruit. I know. But this is a, a willful defiance of God. And, and you know what? He has mercy on him. And his mercy begins immediately. His grace begins immediately. He doesn't change. The, the, the program doesn't change. So because his program doesn't change, we shouldn't change. We can be consistent. Our sacrifice to him to please him is be consistent in our living. The only way we're consistent in our living is as if we cling to God's word. So don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings. There's always been varied and strange teachings. The, the New Testament is almost every book we see is, is a response against some new weird teaching, right? Or confusion. This is why we come to it and we read it. But today we have the same exact thing. And you know what? There, there's people and books and seminars. And it's like this. We, we've got this new revelation. It, when you hear new, first time, never before heard, you, you should run. 
this book is old. It's been around for a couple thousand years, right? What's new? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What's new? There are things we don't understand. But you know why we don't understand them? You know why we struggle with them and argue with them? Because they're hard to understand. And we are never going to come to consensus on that because God has intended for us to trust in Him. His ways are unsearchable. You're not going to fully comprehend and understand everything. So be careful with the new stuff. Grace doesn't change. Grace does not change. The model of grace is is consistent throughout the scriptures. There's an interesting little pivot here in verse 14, uh, 10 through 14. Um, And and we won't anchor here, but we'll, we we just, we, we want to kind of get the bigger picture of it. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Remember we talked about that earlier. Therefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. Hence let us go to him outside the camp bearing reproach. Sanctification comes through Christ outside of the camp. For here we do not have a lasting city but we are seeking the city which is to come. This is in reference to, again, when we think of the kingdom of God, when we think of the promised land, when we think of the heavenly promises, this is a future thing to come. And so to the reader, this it may seem like, okay, we, we and by the reader, I mean the original reader in Hebrews, we have these radical changes, old covenant, old sacrifices, and now we've got Jesus and and, and right here in this four little verses, it's, it's just trying to kind of wrap it up. And again, look, Jesus hasn't changed. Jesus is consistent. The Bible's consistent. This is still all about the, the, the sanctification and the sacrifice made on the cross. So don't get too hung up with trying to parse every little um, fragment there. And unfortunately, we don't have time to do that. But verse 15, it's through him then... Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So we're, we're, we're called again, Romans 12.1, or offer our bodies as a living holy sacrifice. Here we are in Hebrews 13. Do not neglect doing good and sharing. For which such sacrifices please God. How do we continually offer up sacrifices of praise to God? By doing good and sharing. These are our sacrifices. These are the ways that, that, that we uh, are consistent in our sacrifice. See, God doesn't require the blood of goats and bulls anymore. God doesn't even need Jesus to, to die on the cross again, right? It's already happened. The only sacrifice now that's being made is that such sacrifices such sacrifices as not neglecting doing good sharing goes back to what we just talked about this is how you take care of strangers you you, you share you do good to them another way is obey be obedient to your leaders submit to them 
easier said than done. You know what? I, I, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't believe. I, I don't agree. You're still called to obey and submit. They're keeping watch over your souls as those who give an account. They're giving an account. I have to give an account. James is very clear in the book of James that look, let not many of you become teachers. I'm held accountable for every word that comes out of my mouth, for how I, I, I lead, how I shepherd, how I, how, how I counsel. That's why I try to be very careful to make sure it's coming from the Word of God. Not to guess, but to just, this is what it says. If it doesn't say it, then don't teach it. And so in your call to obey and to submit, understanding that your leadership will give an account and let them do this with joy and not with grief, this would be unprofitable for for you. It, it's hard to obey leadership. It is. But consider this. Right now, we're assuming this is good leadership. Okay, remember the time of the day. We're, we're in the time of the day where they're occupied by Rome. We're in a time of day where they're occupied by the king of Judea. We're, we're, we're in a time of day where you're, you've got corrupt religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests. And, and they're still called to be obedient to as their spiritual form of consistent worship to to follow them understanding you know what they will be held accountable by God for their actions and do it with joy don't don't do it with grief it's like even today in our whole political structure and all the crazy weird stuff you know what don't don't let it overwhelm you they will be held accountable don't don't let it change your joy okay it's not profitable for you Instead, pray. Pray for us. Pray for your, 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 your preachers, your deacons, your elders. Pray for your country leaders. Pray. For we are sure that we have good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And I urge you all the more to do this, that I may be restored to you sooner. So the, the writer here is reminding the, the, the reader here, look, pray. Pray for us. Pray for your leadership. Definitely pray. Especially the more maybe you're anxious or, or don't understand things. But this is part of your consistent living and part of your sacrifice and your call to do that. Well, finally, you're called to make a sacrifice pleasing to God through gracious living. How, how do we have gracious living? We understand the grace that's been given to us. Verse 20. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation for I have written to you briefly. Take notice that our brother Timothy has been released with whom if he comes soon, I shall see you. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with all. Uh, these, these 
final concluding words are always interesting, and in, in, especially in the epistles. Um, but again, being reminded that here's the last book of the book of Hebrews. That here's the last words uh, in chapter 13. It's the last of the last. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, especially my son, Caleb, in California. Because we don't talk on the phone all that often. But as you could imagine, what happens in the last thing I say? Do you, do you think that's just nothing? Do you think that's just like, okay, goodbye? Actually, all of a sudden you're, you realize, okay, my time is up, right? And now we've got to wrap like everything, our whole conversation, my, my big concerns with everything that is on my my heart, my chest, my shoulders, it's like, okay, okay, you got five seconds, right? And and it's interesting because you'll see these statements thrown in at the end and they're not nothing. They're not throwaway lines. Um, when you hear grace be with all of you, that grace is a, is a powerful world, word. It's very powerful. And it begins with, it, it comes from the dead. Verse 20, now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. We're reminded, we're reminded that our, our, our way of sacrificial living was, is modeled by Jesus's model. 1 John 4, 19 and 20 says that he first loved us. God first loved us. And what was the result of that love? God loved us and sent us his son. John 3, 16, for God so loved us, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? To die on the cross for our sins. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. An oldie but a goodie, right? John three sixteen. And so a sacrifice pleasing to God is is, is us then living in, in this grace. And we're called here. And when, when you hear this image, grace be with you, first it's to remind you, oh yeah, that's right. I, I'm here saved by grace. I'm not a great guy at all. I, I'm... If you want to know the, the whole, oh yeah, wait a minute, I have sin. Wait, I still have sin now. I still struggle with the basic components of, of, of love, right? Um, loving the brethren, loving the stranger. And so I too live by grace, the grace that was given to me, brought through the blood of Christ, a new covenant, an eternal covenant, a spiritual covenant, as stated in verse 20. And so the power of gracious living comes then now through the power of the new covenant. Not by living through the law, but by living through the Spirit, the law of grace. And so in this final little closure, we're, we're exhorted, we're exhorted again to be gracious. And so as we prepare our hearts for, for communion, I want us to, to, to think about this, this three-pronged approach to sacrificial living, better living, consistent living, gracious living. Let me pray.